Welcome to Title Talk, a podcast where we discuss all things real estate, from title-related issues, entrepreneurial up and downs, mortgage lending, and more. Now, your host of Title Talk, Claude and Bob. Welcome back to Title Talk with Bob and Claude, episode three with fee attorney extraordinaire, Josh Pearson. This podcast is brought to you by Texas Title University, educating the real estate community one class at a time. Josh, good morning. Welcome to our show. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. A little bit about you. Let's see. Josh grew up as an army brat like our co-host, Bob. Josh was born in Fort Benning, Georgia, and grew up across the country. He called Belton, Texas his home and received his law degree from SMU in Dallas, Texas. He was married with three children that occupy most of his time. Despite all the family distractions, Josh was able to break into the Belton market as a fee attorney for Texas Title. He's expanded his business to Waco, College Station, and a closing office in Temple. Please welcome Josh Pearson, fee attorney, model of excellence. That was quite the introduction. It's almost like I wrote it. Almost. I ad-libbed the excellence part. I want to give you some props. I appreciate that. All right, Josh, tell us a little bit about you and what makes you tick and a little bit about your background. Sure. So like you said, army brat. uh, So I grew up kind of all over the country. Uh, We lived in Georgia when I was born and then uh, Alabama, a couple of years over in Germany, then Kansas, Texas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, then back to Texas. So we've seen quite a few areas of the country, which was really cool for me, just because it helped me kind of develop a little bit more of an outgoing personality and develop friends pretty quickly. And uh, I think that that's kind of been one of the one of the things that makes me tick is just caring about people and having relationships with people. And I think that that probably started in that early growing up years of kind of being all over the place and not having like deep roots where you have a friend for 20 years or 30 years, but you know, having to kind of rejuvenate and, and renew myself each time. As you mentioned too, uh, three kiddos at the house. So we've got three daughters, so there's no shortage of estrogen uh, in, <laughs> in our house. <laughs> so there's at some, at any given day, somebody's uh, upset about something. So I tell people like, well, what's it like living with three girls and your wife and a girl dog? And I said, well, every day I wake up on one side of a minefield and I just try to make it to the other side at the end of the day without losing an arm or a leg or something <laughs> too significant. So that's pretty much what it's like. Will there be a fourth on the way? Absolutely not. If, <laughs> if we get pregnant with another one, some sweet little couple is going to have a bouncing redhead little baby girl that they're going to get to raise on their own. <laughs> yeah, what, if it's, what if it's a boy? No, absolutely not. No? My sister or her sister, somebody will be raising that kiddo. No chance. That's funny. Being an army brat, and you mentioned it's kind of a uh, experience of building relationships and things like that. Growing up, my dad was in the army. Is not having the friends that you grew up with from like one to eighteen. Then in college, you kind of follow those people. Do you have that same experience, or because yeah, they didn't have Facebook and things like that at the time to keep right. in touch? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to keep in touch with folks, especially from back in those days. And so I. I do kind of envy that sometimes when people are like, oh, yeah, this is my best friend since second grade. And right. I get a little bit of that because when we were in my second through sixth grade years, we were stationed at Fort Hood. And so we were in Belton schools. Then we left. And when we came back in 94, uh, so that was my sophomore year, we got back into Fort Hood and then we went back into Belton schools. So we kind of got to pick up with a couple of those folks. But, yeah, not having that long-term relationship kind of struggle, especially like early in marriage, you know, it's right. like you take two really broken people and put them together and it's like, <laughs> how's this going to work out? You get uh, one full person. Yeah. <laughs> and I've never in my whole life had to like really connect deeply with anybody because it's always like, you know, hang up that crew and, you know, move to a new town and build a new crew. And 
first couple of years of our marriage was pretty fun trying to get all that sorted out. But I'm better at it now, much better. Yeah, it, it takes a while though, doesn't it? Because you, it's funny when we would when we would move, my wife and I would move, is we would pack and just. For me, it was we're moving, and there was no emotional attachment to anything. And it's yeah. like it takes a while. I still don't have it, but it takes a while to be able to fake it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I am sad that we're moving. Not really. I'm kind of looking for a fresh start somewhere. That's so true. Yeah. One of the things that we do on the podcast is we ask each guest to leave a question for the following guest. And our prior guest, Steve DeLeon, left a question for you. So. We're going to play his question, get your answer, and then ask you after that to leave a question for the next guest. What is the most interesting career or job that you've had in your lifetime? I would say when I was in college, uh, I met my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. She was just a very attractive girl that came through the bank drive through that I worked at. And so uh, I decided that I wanted to meet her, and we, our past really never crossed. So finally, I just figured out where she lived. And I went and <laughs> knocked on her door. Oh, that's kind of stalking. <laughs> that's called stalking. And, uh, <laughs> she said, hey, hey, my name's Josh, and I've you know, noticed you here and there and just wanted to introduce myself. And so she didn't call the cops, so that was, that was great. But during that time of kind of being like really good friends and kind of hanging out and then developing a relationship, I was working at Dillard's uh, department store, and I was working in the customer service department. And so I, uh, I learned how to gift wrap really, really well. So I'm still like, <laughs> I'm still the go-to gift wrapper, right? And so that was interesting enough self. But then I started realizing, man, back then I was making 10 bucks an hour. And I was like, man, that's a, a lot of money. But I need to buy this ring for this you know, woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with me. And I don't quite make the money to be able to buy the ring. Well, two so, months salary is perfect for that. Yeah, yeah two months, <laughs> it, was, it was good. So I, uh, I realized that if you move to the women's shoe department, you make five bucks an hour, but then you make commission off what you sell. So I made the transition to women's shoes and I sold the heck out of those shoes, man. Even to this day, I can tell you if it's nine West or if it's Cole Haan <laughs> or, you know, flats or whatever, whatever you want. And so I did that to raise the money to do the ring. And so I always tell people when she's, you know, they admire her ring or she talks about a ring. I'm like, I sold a lot of women's shoes. <laughs> for that's, that ring. That's, it's pretty convenient, though, to be able to check out her account balances before you went to her house. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this, uh, how's she doing in her checking account? We need, I mean, to, we need to replenish I need to meet lines. her. And, yeah. you know, and also the, the shoe department kind of prepared you for later in life with all the women in the house. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know. Hey, those didn't cost $12 like your budget. <laughs> Take those keep, back. A, keep them honest. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's probably the most interesting. Uh, people think I'm joking when I say I sold women's shoes, but no, that was real. Just Dillard's or did you trans no, transfer anywhere Lord. else after that? No, just Dillard's. After that, uh, I was far enough along in my uh, schooling uh, in college at the uh, University of Maryland Baylor there in Belton to go work for McLean Information Systems. So I was getting my degree in computer science and information systems. So I left the women's shoe department to uh, go code and <laughs> sit in front of a computer all day. When did you move to Dallas? So we moved to Dallas. We graduated in... I graduated December of 01, and we got married uh, January 26th, so our uh, anniversary's coming up, January 26th of 02, and then we moved to Dallas the next week, and the rest was kind of history. We lived in Dallas for 10 years. We moved in March of 2012 back down to Belton. 
And do you come to Dallas for, for a job opportunity or? Yeah, so my wife always had a uh, desire to be a, a licensed professional counselor in LPC. She was accepted into DTS's uh, biblical counseling program. So that was kind of the step for her. And I was computers, so I figured I could get a job anywhere until the bust of 01 happened right before I graduated. And <laughs> thankfully, Children's Medical Center gave me a shot and let me, uh, let me be a web application developer for them from 02 to 07, uh, well, end of 06. And then I started at uh, D Magazine, had a little stint there from uh, 06 to 09, and then I had decided to go to law school. What a great idea. <laughs> in hindsight, it was probably a good idea, right? Yeah, it was a good choice. Now it was a good choice. Back in 09, 10, 11, maybe not so great. Go back to law school with two kiddos and a wife who had to help support everything. That's dedication. What did you do at D Magazine? So I was a web application developer, kind of online developer. So we did everything from building the ads to developing a new website, keeping up with Front Burner, the blog. Uh, and then at that time, they had like Golf Connoisseur and, and some of those other magazines that were kind of secondary that we help support as well. And D Magazine was known to throw some pretty epic parties. Was pretty, that, is that yeah. rumor true? Oh yeah. I love to tell the story. The first party that we went to, my wife and I, and so we were, we'd been married, I guess, uh, about five years, maybe six years. And so we were still young and poor and she was in school and I was, you know, working one job and uh, but we go to this party and I didn't know if it, I was at the right place or not because it was like ridiculous cars in the parking lot and like the music is thumping and I'm like, we're at a club. <laughs> this is not like a like an event. And so we get inside and there are women hanging from the ceiling on like these swings and they're swinging out over the crowd and there's a DJ up on stage thumping and there's like just alcohol everywhere. It was the most, I felt like I stepped into like a a scene of a Quentin Tarantino movie or something. But we, we learned that that was that's what you do at D Magazine. You throw great parties, and they sure <laughs> did. We look forward to those parties every year after that. <laughs> do you still go? That was the highlight. I, I would if I got invited. So, Wick, Allison, if you hear this. Yeah, maybe we can uh, yeah, maybe send this over to them. We can all you know parlay this into an invite to, to a D Magazine party. I like it. Okay, so you're in Dallas. You're working for D Magazine, trying to support everything that's going on. At what point... Did you want to start thinking about going to law school? So I realized, I guess, in about summer of maybe spring of 08, just done a big new launch of the, working on a new launch of the website, and we were knee-deep in it, and I was coding like 12 hours a day and realized that this is not really what I envisioned my life to be, (laughs) right? In a dark basement somewhere with no lights on, staring at a computer screen for hours and hours. And and I was just like, man, I, I really, I just enjoy people. I really do. And so... I wanted to kind of think of what's a career where I could interact more with people and be more involved. And, and my wife and I just started kind of thinking through and praying through. And to her credit, I still remember the phone call. Uh, I called her and said, hey, what do you think about law school? <laughs> She's like, She's like, I'm too busy. I got, I'm working a full-time job. What do you want me to for, do? For me or for you? She's like, for who? <laughs> I said, well... For me, you know, but hey, if you want to go too, you know, we could look at that. And so that was kind of the the start of the ball rolling downhill. And once I kind of identified that it's something I wanted to explore a little more, I just started calling and emailing and asking anybody that I knew that was an attorney if I could buy them breakfast or lunch and just kind of pick their brain about what it's like and, you know, what it entails and what the law school commitment was like and what to expect. And went to uh, Raymond Smith as an attorney here in, in downtown Dallas and has had his own firm for gosh, 25, 30 years maybe by now. But at that time, his daughter was going to DTS with Carrie. And so I had a little connection and took him to breakfast. And he was like, listen, don't do night school. Don't go to Wesleyan. Like, if you're going to do it, 
you better make up your mind to do it. Right. And so that was really the conversation that kind of led us to, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to attend law school full time and we're going to figure this out. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Those are like the best conversations to have, you know, Hey honey, um, we're going to be really, really broke, but I'm going to go to school. Or uh, like I used to with my wife is, hey, honey, um, it just leveraged us really, really bad. So if it works out, it's going to be great. If it doesn't, I'm really sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that speaks to, you know, the strength of your relationship is if they're able to go, you know what? Okay. If, you know, if we lose what we've built up so far, we can rebuild it. And and it's just money. As long as we have health and each other, then. Yeah. It's like the believe in each other, right? right? If they say, okay, I know you can do it. So go ahead and do it. Yeah. And without her support, gosh, there's no way. Cause there were days and weeks on end where it was like ships passing in the night and you're basically just trading off who's watching the kids at home and if the sun's up or not. And it was, uh, those are pretty rough. The first, especially the first year and a half. They have iPads back then? No. Oh, so you couldn't even uh, get a babysitter with those? No. Uh-uh. No iPads. No nothing. <laughs> yeah, that actually apps. entertain the children. Yeah. We were talking about the first time I think I ever saw an iPhone. I was working at D Magazine, and this guy walks in. Uh, I think it was Tim Rogers, actually, walks in with uh, his iPhone. And I was like, what the heck is that? And he starts just touching the screen. And I'm like, this is like voodoo magic right now. <laughs> you still working yeah. the flip phone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was I like, I take this back to belt. We could be somebody. <laughs> I thought, man, with a razor, I was like top of technology. Anyway, and then he shows me the blue dot where it follows you when you're in the car. And I was like, oh, this is a bad deal. This yeah. is not good. But I thought just having the, the one with the pen, you could oh, yeah. kind of hit the screen the was stylus? fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Blackberry. Oh, had a corner on the market black, there for the, a little while. Blackberry was good when they had the market. That was yep. that was a game changer. Yep. So you graduated law school in 2012? Yes. As you were getting ready to graduate, what was the plan for your legal career? So for us, the first year, I was like going to the library at 5 a.m., you know, leaving at 5 so I could get there and be there right when it opened and studying and reading and, you know, just going all out for everything law school related until I realized when grades came out that that really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> who can BS the best on the exam and who can regurgitate as many, you know, five point tests or five point uh, things as you can. And so after that first year, I got a job working at a law firm. And so I learned a lot more in that job at the law firm than I ever did sitting in class, you know, no offense to my professors, but uh, there's just a lot to be said about the real life application of what the classroom knowledge <laughs> is. So I was working at a law firm there and then I transitioned to a different law firm that was a little bit closer to our house uh, third year. And then uh, summer after second year, I uh, got an internship with Thompson Co. Cousins and Irons, a big insurance defense firm in downtown Dallas. And I love the people there. They were awesome. But just the thought of, you know, not being able to coach my kids soccer games or, you know, being able to be available for school or have lunch with kiddos or whatever was really not very appealing to me. So we got a couple of offers from some smaller law firms and uh, one in Greenville, um, one in Dallas, one in Rockwall, one in McKinney. Uh, as we're kind of contemplating that, we got the offer from Thompson Co. to, to be full-time starting after graduated. So that's only 90 hours a week? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Billable <laughs> that's, hours. That's, that's <laughs> billable <laughs> thing. Well, on a good week, right? But luckily, so, you can send yeah. 20 emails at 5 o'clock, right. and that counts for six hours. There you go. <laughs> well, you're way ahead of the game. So we were kind of just contemplating, you know, we're deciding, you know, if we're going to go smaller law, if we're going to go kind of local 
we need to go somewhere where people know us, where we have friends and family that can help support us. And so that was kind of the, my wife, when we left Belton in 02, said, I will never, ever move back to Belton. <laughs> so, <laughs> cross it off your list. And I said, okay. And then uh, once she said in uh, 2011, she was like, okay, you know, that, that makes the most sense when you look at everything. And so I was in the uh, criminal clinic at SMU, like actively uh, practicing underneath Mike McCollum, who is awesome as a criminal defense attorney, just awesome dude. And so he taught me a lot about litigation and being in the courtroom. And I actually was able to practice under him. I won my first jury trial before I ever graduated law school. Nice. Uh, I took the bar uh, February when I didn't graduate until May. So I actually had my results before I even graduated. So then I started practicing underneath uh, through, uh, there's an apprentice type program in the state bar that you can practice underneath a an existing attorney. And so we went ahead and moved back to Belton in March. And then I kept coming back and forth to classes. I would have them like Tuesday and Thursday night. And then I scheduled one class that I actually never even set foot into. But John Lowe, it was oil and gas contracts. This is the God's honest truth. Oil and gas contracts. Because I had John Lowe, uh, who's a great professor, great guy, if y'all know him or have heard of him. But I had his regular oil and gas class and he never took role. So when I was trying to think through, like, I need one more class to make this all work on my last semester, I'm going to take John Lowe because he won't take role. I never stepped foot inside the class, but I was studying for the bar and I took the bar exam. And then when I sat for his final, literally, I walked in and people are looking at me like, who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Where did he come from? You're looking at them going, why'd you come? And I had a buddy, Brad Monk, who uh, was in his class as well. And he was like, you are going to bomb this. And I was like, honestly, I really don't care. Like, I'm. You just need to pass. Yeah, I just need to pass. When grades came out, I called him and I showed him uh, that I got a high A in the class. <laughs> he was so mad. He'd gone every, every class and he got, you know, whatever he got, B or something. And he was so angry that I made an A. That's because I was studying for the bar and you right. cover all of that. And yeah, so, you have the oil and gas part of that anyway, yeah. which was terrible. Yeah, I remember that part of the bar. It was like, I'm never going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I do I care? I cared because uh, I knew John Lowe was going to give us an exam. At the end of the yeah, well, there you so, go, right? So it worked out well. Back to Belton. Yep. Did you go work for someone else? Did you start your own firm? What did you do there? So when we were doing the the calls to people in that summer, when we were contemplating kind of what we wanted to do, I called a couple of people back in Belton that I knew were attorneys and family friends and just kind of said, hey, what's the legal market like there? Kind of trying to do some research and make some educated decisions. And uh, one of the people I talked to was Michael Miller, who uh, had been a family law attorney and an estate planning attorney since like the 70s. So he had started his own firm in 96 or 97. And then in 2011, uh, when I was calling people, he was kind of like, I'm, I'm done and I'm going to wrap it up. I'm just going to close down shop. <clears throat> I didn't think much of it at the time, but then he called me back a couple of days later and said, hey, I was kind of thinking and the Lord laid it on my heart. Would you be interested in coming to work kind of with me, not necessarily for me, but work with me and then kind of take over the practice so I can ride off into the sunset? And that sounded like a pretty good idea, but wanted to get the wife's opinion since she's kind of <laughs> paying the bills. She was an, equi- she was an equity partner. At this point. <laughs> she has some say in it. Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, Hey, you know, it sounds, it sounds good to me. And so we picked up in March 9th of 2012 is when we moved back to Belton. And I remember that because that's her birthday. Uh, and so we're oh, in a U-Haul yeah. truck with our kids and our dog uh, driving back to Belton. And she's like, this is what my life has become. Right. Uh, and that first month we made a whopping like $135 total. And I was like, what did we just do? <laughs> but it got like the reverse and, of the Beverly Hillbillies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We went from Thompson Co, uh, you know, office on the 22nd floor downtown to, uh, 
little t- little town belt and making 135 bucks our first month. If it makes you feel any better, my first job out of law school, I was making 15 bucks an hour. <laughs> Were you so selling women's shoes? I, I, I would have. <laughs> if I, if I would have known they paid commission, I would have done yeah, that. See, that's because what makes the difference. The, the 15 bucks an hour was, um, although it would reach my career goals, Yeah, you know, I had a job <laughs> out of law school. I, I didn't realize employed. it was going to be that one. Yeah, It does make you work harder. Yeah. Well, that really is a conversation for a different day, I guess, but the amount of people that are being pumped out of law schools today and the amount of jobs that they're on the legal market, it really is a huge disconnect. And so I hate to tell people, and they're like, I'm thinking about going to law school. It's like, hey. You (laughs) better either really love the law and know what you're going to do. Otherwise, you're right. There's so many students with law degrees that they get this sense of, I'm going to make it, and I'm going to make it quickly. And it's unfortunately, it's not like that anymore. It's not the case. And the other is educating them on the debt. People don't realize, I mean, if you're going and, and mommy and daddy are paying for it, it's all good. You're not saddled with $120,000, $150,000 when you're walking out. But if you don't get a job at one of the big firms paying you big money, what people don't realize is the average attorney doesn't make what TV shows. Right. And so there's a lot of people that are, they look at it going, wish I would have known. Yeah. The average attorney is probably upper middle class, maybe. And they're working their tail off to be able to make an hourly wage. that's equal to what some of these other folks do. Luckily, when I went to law school, I had no clue. (laughs) I didn't. It was blissful ignorance. Ignorance. Yeah. yeah. But it was also 95. Bob and I went to law school for those that don't know, but Bob had a very specific plan based on, and Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, but he took an approach that said, I'm going to find the professor or he found a professor who's driving a really nice car. (laughs) And he said, I want to know what that guy does. And it so happened to be that it was title insurance. And and that's how he he got into the business. Mine was more of a, you know, I went to law school because a lot of my family members are lawyers. But I was really, I really liked the image of, this may be a little before your time, uh, <laughs> you remember Arnie Becker of L.A. Oh, Law? Oh, yeah, yeah. LA Law. Yeah, he was, the, like, he was the player lawyer. He was the man. And that was kind of my goal, you know, 15, 16, 17. I was like, if I'm going to go to law school, that's what I want to be. And then I found out quickly that that's not, that's not reality of corporate lawyers. Corporate lawyers sit in an office and yeah. they review documents for 20 years and then maybe one day make partner. But that kind of leads to the next question is, at what point did you consider getting into the title insurance or what kind of piqued your interest about the business? So similar to what Bob did, when I settled back in Belton and um, the firm that I took over was primarily family law and estate planning probate stuff. Um, Exciting work. Exciting work. (laughs) And uh, with kiddos at home and uh, another one on the way, I was kind of like family law is very taxing and it's just not what I'm cut out for. That's just not going to work. And so I kind of started looking around at other areas, like what do I enjoy doing? And always been fascinated with real estate and real estate transactions and the buying and selling. And then I said, well, let me look around and see who in our community and who in the surrounding communities have really done well for themselves that are attorneys. And the ones that I looked to that really had been able to build quite a bit in terms of their business careers and and other ventures were real estate attorneys. And there were a few of them in our area. You know, there's probably three or four right now, uh, and there's probably 50 family law attorneys. So I identified that as as an area where I'd like to kind of start working a little bit more. And unfortunately, I didn't have like a mentor who could sit me down and tell me everything I needed to know. So I started just by, I took O'Connor's property code and read it front to back. Uh, And then when I was done, I read it again, front to back. (laughs) 
It's yeah. fascinating, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Well, Every time you read it, you see something different. You're like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And, you know, and that leads to something else. And you're researching. And so total nerd alert, right? But what do you do on your Friday nights? I read O'Connor's property. <laughs> but that really helped kind of set the stage for I didn't want to step into an arena where I was going to make some big mistakes and then ruin the reputation early on. So I did that and uh, and started kind of, okay, so I'm going to start doing some real estate law on one client you know, had a good outcome and went to the next and went to the next. And pretty soon I was pretty much my, my whole practice was focused on real estate law and then uh, doing like estates and probate work. Uh, and then some business work just because I was owned my own business and had kind of experienced some of the pitfalls and that type deal. So that's how it kind of started. We're going to take a small break and get back with you here shortly. Thanks for listening to Title Talk. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating. And also be sure to subscribe on all major platforms, iTunes, Spotify, and more.